most poker players don't talk and they're actually quite modest. I decided it would be really funny if like out of a cartoon, I said, oh, it's my destiny to win. If I kept saying it, eventually it would be like, oh, it was my destiny. I said it was my destiny. And then uh, I started winning. What happened the next year? I won it again. Today, I get the chance to sit down with two-time World Series of Poker champion Dan Cates, known to many as Jungle Man Dan and regarded as one of the leading poker players today. Dan recently secured one of the most coveted titles in the game for a second time in a row as he made history by winning back-to-back $50,000 poker championship titles in both 2021 and 22. This extraordinary win broke records and totaled his live cash earnings to well above $11 million, a drastic shift from his humble beginnings working at McDonald's to offset thousands of dollars in debt. So join us as we broach everything from the lessons Dan learned from hiking Mount Kilimanjaro, his experience with his strip poker playing alter ego, and the beauty that comes along with surrendering to the flow of life. Jungle Man Dan Cates, thanks for coming down to Hennessy Studios. Thank you for having me, and thank you for uh, finally this worked out. Yeah. Um. And yeah, uh, great to meet you. Likewise, I know we've been trying to put this on the calendar, but it seems like you've been doing a whole lot of traveling. That is true. I've been trying to do lots of things, and you know, in order to do a lot of things, there's lots of traveling involved. But as it turns out, some of the things you got to like stay in one place. So I'm kind of thinking, okay, how do I like make that work? Mm-hmm. I got to stay in one place, but I still got to travel. And here I am. The energy of the universe brought me to Los Angeles. And I thought maybe there's something to this energy of the universe stuff. Like if there is, I should just try it out for a few weeks. Let's try out this energy of the universe stuff. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so that's the story of why I'm here right now, basically. Um, well, we're in the same frequency, yeah. man, because that's right. my whole life. And I teach my son, Zach, too. It's like sometimes when the universe starts to speak with you, you have to listen to it. Sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And there's examples that happen every single day. I like to tell my son that I'm a big believer that when you get into like an elevator, like there's also a reason why you're in that elevator with that somebody else. And you don't know why, but you just have to be curious and just kind sure. of explore it. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm almost on your way the wavelength with that. I okay. wouldn't say I'm like fully committed to the energy of the universe, okay. uh, but I'm like exploring this idea that maybe this could be a thing. Like it's not like, in my view, it's not exactly irrational. Like as long as something's like within, you know, like some kind of, like it, if it could make some kind of sense or something like why not mm-hmm. uh but maybe i'll end up being like full-blown energy of the universe i uh read this book called the surrender experiment do you know about this I've, book no i've heard of it but i haven't read it yet mm-hmm. okay well in this book this guy um he the way he puts it is he surrenders to the flow of life okay and um the flow of life had a lot of great surprises in store that were outright miraculous like straight up miracles every other page and I'm just reading this and I'm like, what is going on? Is this hmm. actually real? Like, is this guy real? Like, it would be like he would have to have passed a test for the sake of the greatest good um, in like the next two days. And he hadn't studied and he would like flip the book and just magically it would be right and just like read like two pages or something. And only the only few questions on this test would be from this book. Hmm. And just things like this would happen over and over. And I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah. Is this real? I guess it could be. I don't know. But like, yeah, it sounds, uh, I mean, 
re-looking at other events, it if you look at them in certain ways that event, events that appear negative, it might be the case that they were just, what I'm saying is, I don't know if it was applying to other people in the past or not, but yeah. some events that appeared negative for them may not necessarily have been. Sure. Uh, but I think it's an interesting idea. At the very least, it's entertaining to go with the flow of life for me. Uh, uh, what if it's true or not true, either way, the result is entertaining. Yeah. So can you think of an experience, like something that happened in your life where it seemed like a coincidence, but it really wasn't a coincidence? Uh, yeah. Or at least I relooked at it going back into the past. I can think of quite a lot of things, yeah. actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, one was, um, one that comes up right to my mind is I actually dropped out of college. I dropped out of college and I failed the same class twice that I would have had to take like, again, it would basically have forced me to take two years, but the irony was it was called game theory. Okay. Um, it's very, a very conspicuous coincidence. Um, because poker is all about game theory. Like that is the topic that's all about. But ironically enough, like almost nothing in that class I really used for poker. There were some principles you could say that I remember vaguely that are, were interesting, mm -hmm. but, um, like uh, none of the theory is just at all relevant to actually playing like a game, which is funny because yeah. it's, it's, it's also, um, alludes to the, a uh, big issue that I believe is an issue with the current education system, which now I, in fact, am trying to change. I'm working on that. It's a daunting process, and people have tried to solve this, obviously. So, yeah, got to rethink how to do it. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so you I, failed these two classes, yes. and you think that's the whole reason why your poker journey began, or what? Um, no, but it made it easier for me to drop out of college. Period. Uh, I was determined to finish college. By the time I had finished, I had a solid, solid, solid career in poker. I was like legit successful at poker. Okay. Um, and it made no sense for me to go to poker. It was either write book reports and like go to these classes that I'm never going to learn anything from or travel the world and play poker. Yeah. I mean, you know, tough spot. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you got to, you got to just, uh, I don't know, figure it out. But, um, not because of that. It's just an ironic twist of the story. And it's an ironic, an ironic pointing, a very, uh, and it's a funny way of alluding to the failure of the education system is that many of these topics don't actually help you to perform these jobs. It's mm -hmm. like, this is the common theme of today's education is becoming less and less relevant to actually living in the real world is oh, the yeah. funny thing. I, a big believer. I think that the school system is antiquated. They teach you, you know, how to learn, you know, not so much what to learn. And when you don't really get in tune on what, like if you don't have an interest in French class, right, but you have to take it, like, why not look at my strength and maybe give me more support in that, right? And I think it's an antiquated system. I'm curious to hear how you're solving that. And we can maybe talk about that later in the episode. I, I have many different ways and it looks like you have uh, a glimpse of the answer on your paper. Uh, yes, you can see it here. <laughs> so it looks like this was, I was going to get at, you did something that most people would never try to do and that's climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. So what made you do that and how did you train for it? And did you make it all the way up? I'm curious. Okay. Uh, so why did I do it? Um, thinking about it, I just thought it would be a good adventure and I heard that it's life changing in this positive way. 
and some of my friends were doing it. Um, in fact, all of them, well, actually one of my friends was doing it. I made another friend this way and it was, it would be a good way to connect with people. And actually all the people that I met on the trip were, uh, in my opinion, amazing people. Hmm. Um, which is a nice byproduct of that. Uh, you know what? That was one of the things that I've done that was more of like a curiosity kind of thing. It just seemed like a great adventure. Yeah. And it seemed like it would give me a new perspective on life, uh, which I, which I've slowly come to value as more valuable, even though I don't know necessarily what that is a lot of the time. Uh, so it's one of these kinds of things that I do sometimes just to, I mean, to uh, get a better sense of direction for a lot of things. Um, mm -hmm. It was a bit more of a commitment than I thought. It was quite expensive, over $10,000. And the decent amount of training, I was training, I was trying to build muscle at the time, but I had to put that to the side to lose weight and to only do work with legs. Um, so I did quite a lot of like um, walking uphill and things like that. But mm -hmm. it turns out that a lot of this was fairly pointless. I also had an issue with uh one of my calves it had been hurting for many months and um so i just decided to get it stretched my calves stretched or excuse me uh my ankle my heel hurt for many months okay. so we thought that it was because my calves were too tight so i got them stretched the entire time because the last thing you want is to have your uh legs cramp up on the top of the mountain sure but it turns out that basically um everyone that climbs mount kilimanjaro um, almost all of them fail because, okay, 50% of fail, 51%. And they all of those percent fail because of, uh, what's it called? Altitude poisoning. Sure. Which is, um, a thing that I very much experienced. I was very nauseous towards the top and I had a slight headache at nearly the summit. And because of that, it was too, uh, deemed too dangerous by the guides to go to the top, but I would have absolutely otherwise gone to the top. They wow. Just told me not to. So that was very frustrating. I made some mistakes related to that. How long does that take, like from the start to kind of the climb? Um, it takes, well, we took kind of a long route, which was uh, five days to the top and two days down. Wow. And the reason why they, they go slowly to the top because it's quite scenic and sure. beautiful. You'll see things that you've never seen before. There's a special flower that grows on the way up there. There's a little jungle too. Hmm. And, you know, you're in the middle of the clouds and everyone's singing and talking in uh, Swahili and uh, yeah. calling each other kaka, uh, that sort of thing. There's massive cliffs and there's uh, the Devil's Tower and whatever. Um, that also because of the altitude poisoning, which uh, was the only thing that really mattered. Everything else was easy. And in fact, the, um, the heel that I'd been hurting for six months, ironically, became healed as I walked up the mountain. Hmm. which is a strange thing because I didn't, I, it, it got better as I walked up the mountain. Maybe yeah. I just wasn't using it enough. Yeah. Uh, like it just like magically got better at like day after day three. I don't, it, who would have thought that would happen? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Like when he's sitting there and he's describing his experience at Mount Kilimanjaro as you're walking up in the flower and people like, you know, speaking Swahili. And I mean, it reminds me of the scene from uh goodwill hunting. Right. Yep. Where Robin Williams is sitting there with Matt Damon. He's like, you know what? I just thought about this, you know, and you're just a punk kid. You probably have never seen a war. You've probably never held somebody die in your arms. You've probably never seen the Sistine Chapel. You can cite it. You can tell me books that you read about it. But it's just so like because I've never been to Mount Kilimanjaro. That might be something that I do in my lifetime. 
but just experiencing it is so much different than reading about it in books and stuff like that. That's so awesome that you did that. Yeah. yeah. I'm really mm-hmm. summarizing it in a funny, yeah, as much as I can. Yeah. And, uh, there's, there's many details of it. Uh, yeah. I can say it was very, very frustrating not go to the top. I just like kind of sat there late in the temp for hours. Uh-huh. That was the most frustrating thing, but hopefully it uh, has some kind of positive impact and that makes me like make sure I get every little detail right. Sure. Um, I want to also say that one interesting thing was that the service, there are all these guys that were helping us towards the helping us get to the top. It's part of the service of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It's not a fully fledged like professional climb. It's like something everyone can do. Mm-hmm. But the service there was some of the best I've ever had, which I thought was conspicuous because it's in the middle of um, Tanzania. And I just thought, why is this the case? Why is the service and the camaraderie of this place with no law, et cetera, so good? Mm-hmm. Um, but my understanding was that basically the guide that we had, I don't know if they're good to everyone, but the guide that we had, um, his name is Sean Swarner. Okay. He's, he's climbed Mount Everest uh, like 20 times and he has only one lung. And wow. Quite old. He's, he's done a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a documentary on him, but he's been treating them well for like 10 years or whatever. And I thought to myself, like, why could this just exist everywhere? Like, maybe we can just treat every, everyone better and no more problems. Anyway. Sure. But that was just my observation. Yeah. Um, and... What else? Oh, yeah. We also went to the Serengeti afterwards and to, where else did we go? Um, this big crater called, uh, what was this crater? There's a crater in the middle of Tanzania with a bunch of animals. Huh. Okay. With like lions and uh, lions and gazelles and Weird. okay hippos and stuff like that. Uh, very beautiful. I forget the name of the crater, though. Got it. I'll have to, well, we'll find it and link to it from the page here. Okay. So your your poker your poker uh, career has taken you all over the world. It seems. Um, yeah. Sounds like you went to Dubai too recently, or yes, I've been to yeah. Dubai is one of the places I've been to. Okay, is going skydiving I hear? Uh, I have been <laughs> skydiving. Yeah. Where else have uh, have you been? Where like as far as travel goes? Uh, let's see. This year I've been to. We've been to. Um. I've been to Mozambique. I've been to Ghana. Uh, I've been to India. I went to, I will actually post these on my Instagram. Uh, I've been to an Indian wedding there. I also was briefly in the Himalayas. Uh, I went to a Ghanaian wedding, actually. Uh, that was cool. Let's okay. see, where else have I been? I've been to Spain. I don't, yeah, I didn't post anything from Spain either. So hmm. now when you travel, are you playing poker as you're traveling or? Yeah. You are, of course, right? Uh, quite a lot. I've been working on other aspects of my career and also uh, flow of lifing it up, man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I have a foray into charity okay. as well, into effective altruism, ideally. Chari- charity is one part of that, using charity in an effective way, ideally. Um, so that's a new thing. Okay. Let's see. Um, what else am I doing? Fun stuff. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've been doing. Let's see, what do we do? Um, if, I. Uh, hmm. Well, let me ask you this: If I were to mail you a postcard, where do I send it? Where do you live? Like, where's home? 
Is there a way? Is there is there a flow of life service? Is there like a service that just says, "Here's this guy. He's traveling, uh-huh. and just we'll figure out where he is in two weeks." That's or something. it. Okay. You know, they'll like text me and ping me, and you'll just uh, send me. Well, it is because I've been uh, changing it a lot, and uh, it depends on when you're sending it. But I'm going to Cyprus soon. Cyprus. Yeah. Cyprus. Okay. Got it. Well, first of all, where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Maryland near Washington, D.C. Okay. Uh, it was kind of merry, I guess. Yeah. And what was your childhood like? Um, a bit different from most people's childhood. Okay. I uh, don't remember a whole lot before the age of 10 or so. Uh, remember a couple things that. But other than that, I uh, around the age of 12, I realized I wasn't like most people. I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, and I was a bit uh, aloof. I was very socially unaware, and the social skills stuff didn't happen naturally for me. Okay. Bit of a journey for me in many different ways. Um, let's see. I went to a, uh, a school for the, uh, the gifted and talented um, around the age for high school. I was yeah. in a cryptic. Uh, Christian Baptist school, and actually something happened there that I thought that seemed to have a big impact on my life. My heart was broken at the age of 12, and it it started this. Um, so I believed essentially, because we we're in a Christian Baptist, Baptist school, I believed essentially God was mad at me. This was my interpretation as a 12-year-old kid. And I so I read the Bible twice, but from this, it started uh, my contemplation of many sorts of spiritual ideas and the idea of aligning um of seeing like is the bible real sort of thing this idea of like connecting spiritual ideas to reality Mm -hmm. um which would later visit me well these ideas would follow me until around the age of 15 in which case i said no they would actually follow me throughout my life and i just have these kinds of thoughts that i would be thinking about that were partly aligning these ideas and then around the age of 29 uh, I had a bit of a paradigm shift, but we can talk about that later. Okay. <clears throat> uh, as far as the rest of my childhood, um, yeah, I was pretty aloof. I was very, very introverted, and I didn't know. Yeah, making friends did not come so naturally to me as it does with many other people. Mm. Uh, and <clears throat> then I found poker at around the age of 17. I became really, really obsessed with it. And uh, I was not very good at it, actually. Okay. I got my ass kicked pretty badly for a while. Mm-hmm. That's where I got the nick- nickname Jungle Man. No one knew where I came from. Harry. <laughs> uh, At around, what, 17, 18 years old? Yeah, 17. Okay. And, uh, but because I got good at other games, and every time I uh, practiced other games, I always was able to surprise myself with what I could do with them. So because of that emotional experience, even though I sucked at poker for a while and always lost, um, I decided, well, eventually maybe I can be good and make money and not have to work a day job. I can be free and do what I want. Sure. So through this, through 18, I started to win at poker and then, um, I had to work at McDonald's for months to, uh, make money in order to play poker. Okay. Uh, I had lost a lot of money from my, uh, savings that my parents gave me. Uh, but they, they locked it up because they thought. They didn't want me to spend all my money gambling or what they interpreted to be gambling. I didn't interpret it that way. 
Uh, I wasn't, <laughs> what did you interpret it as? I interpreted it as fuel to learn and learn how to do something uh, that would have been benefiting yeah. uh, me. Uh-huh. Learn, uh, fuel to make money in the future, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have brothers and sisters? Or do you have brothers and sisters? I have two sisters, yeah. Two sisters, okay. We're, we're on good terms. I would say I'm not like super close with my family, but... Uh, okay. We're on we're pretty good term, terms. We uh, connect about some things. I'm the, uh, the odd one out of the family. I, I think that's indisputable. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What did your mom and dad do for work? My mom worked for the Bureau of Printing and Engraving in the government. She was a chemist. And my dad had a few jobs, but his, uh, but generally speaking, he worked as management for technology companies, generally speaking, such as Motorola. It's like one of the higher level management uh, executives and worked with a lot of people there. Okay. Um, Motorola is one company that it worked for Lockheed, Lockheed Martin as well. I think he works for a different one now. Or no, they're retired now, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he worked for a couple. And so how did you first learn? To, well, I guess, what and who introduced you to poker? Uh, so I was playing a lot of video games when I was younger. Okay. Big surprise. I, my friends were, yeah, some of them played poker. And, um, you know, because poker was a game, I was excited about the idea of playing video game for money. Um, or game for money, whatever, however you want to look at it. Uh, a lot of these things are just titles. Mm-hmm. Um, I I got had the inspiration just from that idea. Essentially, it wasn't like someone formally introduced me to it, um, and that was how I learned. So you were playing online poker. Yes. Okay. Uh, actually, excuse me. I played live first because I didn't know that I could play online poker. I see. And in okay. fact, I actually. I remember specifically, I thought it was illegal for me to play online poker because I was 17 at the time and you had to be 18. Um, and I just didn't look into the idea, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that they didn't really care. And you could just basically sign up and play. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I started online poker. Um, you could say prematurely, but I really wish that I had started it before because you could play small stakes, mm-hmm. which I really wanted to do to learn. Uh, and instead, I just dumped a lot of money to these guys who were more experienced than me at $100 buy-ins uh, where you could lose like a, man, a few, you know, $100 or a few hundred dollars in a night pretty sure. easily, um, especially if you're not better, as good as them. And uh, that was a lot of money for a 17-year-old at the time. Of course it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my story was somewhat similar. So uh, I was into sports betting yeah. younger. And I was following a friend of mine. His name was Dave. Yeah. Uh, Vegas Dave is his name. <laughs> okay. Um, and he's a big uh, sports better. And uh, he just was like a savant. He kind of just knew everything about like really? football. And yeah. And uh, and I just followed him one, one year. I was like maybe like 20 years old, maybe. Okay. And I took out like $5,000 of money that I didn't have. And I just followed him every step of the way. And I turned it into like $300,000, right? All right. At well, this is a good strategy. <laughs> yeah. Suncoast Casino in Las Vegas. I was living there at the time. I was I just got out of the Air Force. But then, you know, what happened was like, you know, for me, you know, I, I then had children and I was gambling and, you know, I would wouldn't walk around with less than $10,000 in my pocket. We would just go buy things whenever we wanted. My wife and I, 
it was a good life. I was like, and then I started to become good at it, but then it started to kind of interrupt my, my family and, oh really and just stress. Like I remember like I'd be sitting down like, you know, Christmas morning, like looking at my phone, like, you know, seeing if, am I going to lose this $25,000 or win it? And then if you lose it, then you start having all this regret. Like, what could I have done with that $25,000? I got to put that into I my know. kids child, you know, their, their schooling system. I could, you know what I mean? You just have all this remorse, but when you're winning, you're on this super high, right? Well, so yeah. you have to have this emotion too, right? Yeah. Uh, well, a couple things. So I do, and I don't. Okay. So, and I, I also want to ask, do you bet while the game is going or do you? No, uh, I didn't at the time. They didn't have that. I don't think, I mean, you could bet on halftime, you know, but I would okay. bet at the beginning of the game and just kind of just ride it through. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's different. If you're watching, it would be very stressful and get your emotions all worked up, especially sports. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, imagine play being the ones playing for them. They, their stakes are even higher and they get under immense pressure. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I've lost like in the last seconds of a game because of a fumble and stuff. And it's like a $50,000 swing. Like, you know, that's probably not a lot of money, but I mean, it is for me, but when you're betting, yeah, it's a lot of money. For it her. is a lot of I think money. Right? Most people. Yeah. 99.9% uh -huh. .9 of them. <laughs> <laughs> or so <laughs> for me it's a lot uh yeah yeah so you have the same kind of emotion though right you know um yeah you know when you lose a big hand or a tournament or right yeah <laughs> uh i do and i don't so when it the for me it, the more my perceived control is the more my emotions look like what you're saying like mm -hmm. for example uh if i perceive that i have a lot of control over something then uh, I'm going to be really stressed if it doesn't work out that way. Yes. Uh, that's my own personal thing. But if I perceive that I don't have control, then uh, I I want to add something to this. But if yeah. I perceive that I don't have control, I don't really care usually. Okay. But then it's perhaps important to ask the question, what is control? And what is, you know, what is like, yeah, what is control? Is the biggest question. What do you actually control? Mm -hmm. Um. And to what extent could you have changed it? Sure. Maybe is an important question. Uh, looking into this and also applying spirituality to this kind of subject, uh, I want to say that what you think is control is actually a bit of an illusion in many instances. And there's lots, a lot of things are a lot of things are essentially inevitable or more inevitable than they seem in a in a way mm -hmm. not in the strictest sense of that word but more that certain variations will happen um and and uh i mean there's always a better way of doing things basically and there's always like essentially more mistakes to happen um mm -hmm. and uh it's just more like how you perceive what control is and i haven't mastered it at all i'd make i get upset over things that are irrational all the time i i got upset at one recently i was uh it's like trying to um just anytime something doesn't go the way that i expected i can i, I might get upset yeah. uh, even if it's something trivial um and i want to also add that it appears that there's a way to get over those negative to have the positive side but not necessarily feel the pain of the negative sides hmm. or at least master it or tame it if that makes sense i see through spirituality or through whatever practices or through other life 
ways of altering emotion. If that mm, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't looking at it that deep, I guess, at the time. <laughs> I was just like, all the crap I could have bought, right? Oh. You've been playing since you're, you said, 17 years old. So mm -hmm. how old are you now? I'm 32. So a long time and yeah. made a lot of money, probably lost a lot of money, made a lot more money. You have, you probably have an advantage. If you really wanted to, you could probably walk into any game and make $3,000 and go home that day, right? And make a pretty good living if you really wanted to do that, right? But uh, not really, actually. I, um, I'm actually curious what it would be because it feels like when I sit down at these softer games, like it feels like sometimes like it's impossible to lose, but I know that's not true. Um, it's easy to get sucked into that, uh, that mindset into, yeah, that mm -hmm. mindset or that, um, that, uh, trap, uh, realistically, I actually lose, I don't know how often I lose at soft games, but, and like kind of competitive games, I lose about half the time, a little bit less, uh, that's normal. And, um, if I, it wouldn't make sense for me to really walk into any casino, uh, like certainly I wouldn't be able to average $3,000 every time I walked in for a few hours, in which case that would mean like I'm making what $3,000. No. Yeah. $3,000. Like, let's say like every eight hours of the day. Yeah. Then hypothetically, what is that? That's like, um, if I like worked my ass off, I could make 24,000 in an eight hour period. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, wait, no. 3,000 in eight hours. Oh, 3,000 in eight I, hours. That's just okay. a number that I gave. But Got like, it. Yep. It wouldn't be for any casino. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, most casinos, not not nearly anything like that is is exactly possible. Huh. Or, and at least it might be more like $500 and it would also have like a lot of swings and a not as good player would still make something like 300 something dollars or whatever. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe more, I guess. I don't know. So, I'm not a poker player you know I've, I've played poker before i didn't know what i was doing i remember one time i played with larry flint and ben affleck on the same table in the bellagio one day i shouldn't have been sitting there with those guys i'm not saying they're good poker players but they had a much bigger bankroll than i had and i got my ass kicked that day but it was a cool story it makes for a good story now right um and the problem for me is i don't have patience yeah right like you know what i mean and like you know here you are playing like two cards off suit, like just because you want action. Right. Yeah. So like patience is definitely a big part of poker. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say patience is a part of anything. Mm -hmm. Um, patience is necessary. I've come to realize was I, I would say I got that problem a lot myself in other areas, not exactly poker, but I find that it depends on what it is. Like probably you have something, that if you're prop, you have the proper incentive, you're really patient is my guess. That's right. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there like a specific thing? I'm curious. I don't know. I'm for me when I'm just at the table, I'm just like, you know, sometimes you just get bored. It's like, I haven't had a good hand in like six, you know, deals, I guess. And you know, mm -hmm. I want action. I want to try to play here. I'm going to play this. Oh hand, yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of it for me. Just wanting to play. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I feel that too a lot. I mean, I find it really hard to pay attention. Uh, I've been trying to like appease my boredom by like making lots of jokes uh -huh. and uh, dressing up as you saw. Yes. Characters. This is barely a thing. I and see that. Yes. Now, now uh -huh. I have some new ideas. It's like, why stop there? They kind of let me do anything at the poker table. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of possibility and 
okay, maybe there's more that can be done. And now I have more ideas of things to do. So for those that don't know that story, let's talk about that, right? Because you had, your character was, you know, quiet, right? Not really a very vocal player. And then all of a sudden you totally flipped the script and, and went a little bold, right? So what are some of the things that you've done for those that might not have heard? <clears throat> um, in what sense do you mean? Meaning like at the table, like, you know, where you kind of changed the character, changed your persona a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, a mix of that was, uh, as I've said, it's one of the positive sides of boredom is like, how is this boredom going to be, uh, uh, what's the word, um, reconciled, I guess. Okay. Um, so one of the things I did was I just started making many jokes and being a bit more facetious. Uh, not a hundred percent zen with that. If, if like a number of bad things happen, that might change, but maybe that can be mastered. Okay. Uh, what was I going to say? Okay. So that was one thing at some point. Um, it occurred to me that for these interviews that for one, if I want to build my brand, I need to stand out in many ways. Mm-hmm. And also that many of the interview questions could be, it was more fun to answer them in ways that were a bit more unpredictable. And somewhere along the lines, I realized, whatever, let's play with this. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the lines, I thought it'd be really funny if, well, you know how um, when everyone's interviewed for a tournament uh, and they're asking questions like, are you confident? Or uh, this is a flow of life thing. Uh-huh. Um, are you confident? What what are you what have you done to to uh win? Like what's your edge or whatever question it is like that. Mm-hmm. Every poker player says something like, Yeah, I'm confident, but you know, there's lots of luck and you know, you gotta work hard and know all the uh they don't even say something like you gotta know all the uh pre flop ranges and all these technical details. Like no one wants to hear all that. Mm-hmm. Uh obvious uh stuff, even though yes, it's technically the truth. I decided it would be really funny. If like out of a cartoon, out of a cartoon, I said, "Oh, it's my destiny to win." <laughs> uh, and you know, <laughs> they probably weren't expecting that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> if I kept saying it, I was thinking to myself, I could like make like a joke, mm-hmm. uh, and if I like kept saying it then eventually I would win one, and then eventually it would be like, "Oh, it was my destiny." I there said it, it was my destiny. Yep, you um, proved it. This was the original idea, but this isn't exactly what happened. Okay. What happened was a little bit different. Um, so the first tor- time I said that was the only tournament I ever said that, in fact, was for uh, the Poker Players Championship, and I got sixth place. Okay. And then I decided uh, next year to say, you know what? Actually, I was talking about this year. I wasn't <laughs> talking about last year and just decided to run with the joke. And <laughs> hilariously enough, I made the final table Huh. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, uh, am I really going to win this thing? Is that what's about to happen? Yeah. But on the camera, I'm saying, no, I'm going to yeah. win. Yeah. And I said, you know what? Forget it. I'm dying my hair blue. I'm just, this is, I'm going full cartoon. <laughs> um, this is already crazy enough. And uh, also I managed to, uh, well, we have a saying in poker called going God mode. Or someone's in God mode where they seem to get a string of cards where they're unbeatable and just everything's going perfect and it's a strange strange thing that okay. happens it's something it's almost mystical what happens huh. and i decided all right 
uh, you know what? Uh, screw it. I'll dye my hair blue. That's where the blue hair comes from. Going God mode, like in Dragon Ball Z. Okay. And I dressed like a Dragon Ball Z character and talked a lot of shit and uh, I just put on a show uh -huh. a bit. And uh, I, funnily enough, I actually, while I was strolling through Fashion Show Mall in Las Vegas, I went into a candy store uh, because, you know, maybe they had some candy that would taste good. Mm -hmm. um, I was curious. Um, every once in a while, I'll get a snack. And yeah. I ran into, um, well, there's these beans in this cartoon that heal you. They're called sensu beans. Yeah. If the characters eat one of those beans, they get healed and they uh, actually, they actually, uh, they, get, they regain their strength and that kind of thing. Yeah. And sure enough, of course, there were sensu bean candies <laughs> in this shop so i bought these in addition there's a uh energy drink that's literally called a power boost which is what would happen that the characters would get energy out of nowhere yeah uh, uh -huh. this became like a bit of the joke for the final table i would like keep hitting eating a sensu bean and my friend i'd give one to him and in fact we'd both like get like a boost of uh chips if we did that sure. at some point i ran out of chips ran out of sensu beans and almost out of chips uh -huh. but secretly uh, and then the, the arch nemesis started talking shit. Um, the guy who was winning the whole time. And then he made obviously a massive blunder, mm -hmm. like in the cartoons. And then like a hand that won't, he'll never forget. Uh -huh. Neither will I. And then, uh, I started winning because they mistake, they forgot that I actually had a power boost <laughs> in, uh, behind. I had the power boost energy drink. <laughs> this, yeah, they didn't uh, plan that one out really right so you won the tournament or what yeah i did win the tournament that i said that i was, it was you my manifested game, my it. destiny to win thanks to the power boost and the beans right yeah i yeah. mean uh did you see what happened the next year i don't know uh tell me you didn't see oh uh -huh. i won it again you won it again? <laughs> <laughs> i did something kind of similar uh but this time i didn't really plan on winning i just uh just <laughs> i just talked a lot of uh, shit. Most poker players don't talk shit and they're actually quite modest. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that was part of the joke was to go full, um, arrogant, uh, person and dress completely. Out. <laughs> you just, so now do you have to keep that persona or what? So now is that what they expect of you when you play now? Or whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't only have two personas. <laughs> Listen, I, I would like to not be limited to just two personas, no matter how crazy they are. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I would not like to be controlled. Please, no controlling me. No controlling you. Yeah, anymore. no putting me in boxes. No, no controlling me. There you go. <laughs> I love it, and you know it's funny. So when Jenna was putting, you know, the information together, and I was kind of familiarizing myself with uh, with uh, your story and your background, there was a link, and I clicked on the link, and uh -oh. I'm like. <laughs> what the heck is that you know i'm like where's my daughter make sure she's not here what's going on uh, right yes so what was I that i got rid of those what was that all about I think video I got, with you yeah. and beautiful women everywhere and yes yeah well you know um uh -huh. who would have thought 30 year old guy interested in women <laughs> uh yeah surprise <laughs> surprise um so <laughs> I thought, you know, it's one of these things when I guess you could call this a full life thing mm -hmm. in some kind of weird way. 
So once upon a time, I had the opportunity to be part of a uh, strip poker. No, excuse me. Yeah, strip poker uh, video. Okay. Cost about $5,000. And this famous dude, uh, famous Russian um, video guy. Uh, what is he? He's, he makes videos. Okay. He's an artist. No, yep. he's a photographer. Okay. Uh, his name is Sasha Tikamirov. Okay. Um, it was his idea, I think. He wanted to make this video of uh, strip poker. And somehow there were a lot of uh, uh, Russian and Ukrainian girls from Playboy, uh, you know, in the vicinity. <laughs> and we decided to make this video. And his idea was to turn it into a bit of a softcore porno. Okay. Which uh, I did not know was part of the plan. But, you know, flow of life. <laughs> I'm just going to blame it all on the flow of life. Uh well, I, I shouldn't do that 100%. This part I really didn't know. And uh, I just thought this is one of these things where I just thought that it could open up many positive sorts or, so, sorts of doors. Sure. And I didn't really know which doors to open. When you don't know which doors to open, mm -hmm. that's when strip poker calls and maybe getting a little sexual is the thing you're supposed to do. The right? universe speaking again, right? Yes. Yeah. The universe and its <laughs> mysterious ways. Right. That makes sense. I think. Yeah. Uh -huh. Anyway, that is kind of my rough train of thought was it was just one of these asymmetrically um, positive things I could do. Like it could open some bad doors. It could open many good doors. Sure. It's just a different direction. It's yeah. kind of spicy. That's it. Spice it up. No one saw it coming. Uh, I refuse to be boxed. I, That's right. Don't tell me not to do it. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So. As it turns out, it actually did open quite a few bad doors of sorts, but not so bad. It was just maybe not the right persona I'd like to build on. I'm not really going down that road anymore, but uh, mm -hmm. I guess you could say in a weird way, it's still flow of life-ish and that uh, it's, a, you know, it's a route explored and also decided not to really pursue too much as well as the like playboy lifestyle, which I didn't really... I mean, I liked it in some ways, but not all the time. Yeah. Um, so I, you could say that it was part of my growth and made it a more interesting, colorful uh, journey. Sure. And also, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, um, not not the best look, I think. I don't think I want to go the... Uh, the Dan Bolzarian-esque route. No, uh, huh? I decided that's not for me. Exactly. No. At least in this sense. I like the some of the crazy stuff he does, but not necessarily the uh, being surrounded by uh, women that are always naked all the time. Not really my thing. Is Dan a friend of yours? Uh, as it turns out. I mean, you know, there are times and places for it. But uh, <laughs> he's, we're friendly, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I think we're friendly. Yeah. Put it that way. I wouldn't. I think head to head he, at a table, who wins? Me. <laughs> He's, I mean, I don't think that's a secret. No. Is <laughs> <laughs> not is he didn't make his money the same way that most poker professionals did. Uh, but I suppose in the sense that, um, he makes. I presume he makes money from poker. Sure. Um, in the long run. In the situation that he's in, he may be considered a professional, but uh, mm -hmm. he's not exactly the same as the guys that grinded it up for nothing. I think sure. he had a you know, different way of entering poker. So who's a poker player that you look up to? 
Good question. Um, well, I wouldn't put it in such black and white words, mm -hmm. but some of them have traits that I admire, at least to a certain capacity. Uh, there's a poker player that's the living embodiment of a poker terminator of sorts and named, uh, well, there's at least one of them. Maybe there's multiple ones. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's multiple poker terminators out there. Mm -hmm. So there's this guy named Stephen Shidwick, which you probably don't know of. And this guy, I didn't know this because I was watch watching this closely and I'm very different, but he'll like do the same damn thing every single hand. He may even like, do this thing with his chips in order to randomize his decisions in certain situations. And like, based on where the chip falls, he'll like do something a third of the time, mm. or like 75% of the time. And he knows all the situations. He plays perfectly the perfect amount of bluffs in all the situations. Uh, and that's his reputation anyway. Mm. Certainly if I wanted to play perfect poker, I would uh, take elements of that. I would say, but not all of that. Okay. Uh, if I wanted to be a poker robot, that might be my guy. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Who else do I admire? Um, I mean, yeah, there's a few not so obvious traits. There's this guy, uh, Phil Galfond, for example. Okay. He's uh, also known as my arch nemesis. Uh, his nickname is Mr. Falcons. Okay. Um, He's uh, incredibly nice uh, in the sense of always polite and never gets mad at people and always treats them with kindness. I find that admirable. Uh, that would be nice to to um, to embody, I guess you could say. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Other, I mean, if someone's like super disciplined, it's super uh, never gets scammed. I think that would be. A, I don't even know if I want to never get scammed. Weird. They don't just get scammed a little bit where it doesn't matter. That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's funny to get scammed in ways that don't matter. Sure. Because then they don't matter. Mm -hmm. Right? If they don't actually hurt you that much. Like that, that's okay. But not to get scammed in bigger ways. Or at least for there to be a twist where they actually get what's coming to them somehow. Like that that sounds uh, like a better um path than never getting scammed. It's more interesting. Hmm. Oh. How how much of your strategy is is more data and analysis versus just your intuition? What are we calling intuition? Just your gut versus the data. Um, it depends on how you're looking at that because there are many things that I do that are not necessarily data-driven. That being said, I think there are ways that I can do some of them better when I'm really thinking about it, but yeah. it's... There's a point where, yeah, the answer to your question is complicated because a lot of intuition is based off of experience. Yes. Um, I, if, it, if we're talking about just pure feeling and there's no facts behind it, I don't really work that way because a lot of the information that I have is, uh, I'll have the intuition and I'll be able to interpret it, if that makes sense. Okay. I didn't realize I was doing this, but... And the way that I look at the situation is a bit different, but I personally don't necessarily get like a specific feeling from so someone too much. It's completely nebulous. And then I fall. Let's put it that way. And even so, there aren't so many situations where, you know, this kind of mystical one time uh, read 
can can be uh, too applicable, if that makes sense. Okay. It can be in the right uh, situations, but uh, it's only one part of the game. Uh, I would say I would use a lot of intu uh, intuition for like when to bluff and if people do certain things, yeah, you'll get that read. Okay. They also have to make a mistake themselves in some kind of sense. Uh, related to this question is the idea of analysis. I mean, it depends on how much, how analysis driven you want to be. Also, in the sense, I personally think there's a point where there's too much technical details and it makes sense to just take an action that's good enough and not, not stress about the extra, um, 10% of value that you're missing. Sure. I guess you could say. Um, or like look at things a bit differently. Let's put it something like that. It's basically you have to consider how much strict analysis we're really using because uh, it's more human nature to use heuristics and things like that, which relates to intuition. Got it. Okay. That sense. okay. That's a good, good way to put it. You mentioned the term game theory. For those that don't play poker, what is game theory? Game theory is just the theory of how games should be played. Yeah. Um, it's just, it usually looks at the payoffs of certain actions. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And just decides, okay, which is the, the payoff that you're actually looking for? Um, I mean, it can apply to really anything, depending on what your term, your definition of a game is, because if you, it may be the case in many real life examples that while real life often does not have definitive lines of the action to take the actions are not so discreet you can essentially uh i think the word is uh well you can just do something like box the actions to viable rough actions okay. and like limit the number of actions taken and so make some kind of like uh game tree for what the best outcome should be if that hmm. makes sense got it if you can give a piece of advice to poker players that are trying to improve their game, what knowledge would you drop on them? Let's see. If I was giving a piece of advice for poker players who wanted to improve their game, I would say look for value where other people are not looking at it. Okay. Um, that's where all the value always is. Um, and I would say put in practice, but also well, put in practice and also put in, look at both theory and practice, I would say, because theory is guidelines, but practice matters more. The real um, application matters, matters more. What are uh, pinch me moments in your poker career? I've had quite a few. Uh, depends on, again, how we're looking at it. Um, are you referring to improving at the game? Or no, you I'm just saying like, you know, I can't believe this is my life. Like, how cool is this? Oh. Right. Like I'm oh. I'm sitting here with Spider Man, Toby McGuire, and I'm kicking his ass in poker right now. Like this is cool. Like, you know, like what are what are like some pinch me moments for you? Uh I was in Asia playing with very rich, secretive Asian guys uh that didn't speak any English. And I was playing with people that I had at one point looked up to, like Tom Dwan and Bill Ivy. Uh uh like the legends. Yeah. Didn't exactly see that moment coming. 
And so there's that. And I was playing for monstrous stakes. Like not most of the money wasn't mine, but there'd be like, like every buy-in would be something like a million dollars. Uh, and you could lose multiple millions. And like the, the, the main Chinese guy that didn't speak one word of English just ready to like play for 72 hours straight. He did this actually. He played for 72 hours straight uh, and forbid everyone, anyone from losing, from leaving unless they lost at least like a million and a half of uh, money. Hmm. Yeah. That was, that was his rule. But I mean, to be fair, he doesn't leave usually unless he has zero dollars on the table. So, um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say he's unreasonable. He's quite reasonable, in fact. Okay. <laughs> he's a very reasonable guy. <laughs> uh, did you ever play Molly's? Any of her games? I met her, but I did not play in her games. I met, yeah, I met her in Bahamas. She seemed like a businesswoman. Yeah. That's about all I remember. She's very businessy. And she is. Yeah. I met her once too. No, no uh, bullshit. That was the one thing I remember about her. Uh -huh. Yeah. Did you ever like win and then just splurge and just go buy, buy yourself something like a, a new car, uh, you know, give me like a story about where you just kind of won big and you said, screw it. I'm going to treat myself to something I always wanted. Uh, I did get a car. I think my splurges are of a different nature. Generally speaking, um, I'm trying to think of what, be something I spent a lot of money on uh in terms of luxury. I I mean I bought a condo, but it was an investment. Okay. Um I did do that after a very big win in Vegas. Very big week winning. Okay. Or a couple weeks. Let's see. My splurges were more um bad investments and things that seemed like great ideas, I guess you could say, but really weren't. Okay. Um such as uh buying a house on a hard money loan in in uh, los angeles that was really stupid <laughs> but it seemed like a great idea at the time for some reason and then uh, and then basically all the options were bad to get out of it uh yeah I, i've for sure spent money in really stupid ways before um yeah i've been that's really my i guess you could say my leak is just thinking things are good investments but aren't they're not okay mine was i remember i won like $30,000 one day and I'm driving home and I see a palm tree, like there's like a palm tree farm <laughs> and they're like palm trees for sale. And I'm like, what? why not? I've got $30,000. Maybe I'll buy a palm tree. I always wanted a palm tree like this. It's like ones in Beverly Hills, right? So I'm cruising along and I pull over to the side of the road and I'm like, yeah, you know, how much for this? Oh, this one's 12,000. I'm like, oh, could you do it for 10? Yes, I'll do it for ten. Okay, great. I'll take it. Here's ten thousand dollars cash. Did he snap it off? Did he like say, "Yeah, I'll do it," or did he like? No, they did. That's their whole business. It was just palm trees. And so the next thing you know, like I'm driving home with this big truck driving behind me. <laughs> Pull out my wife's like, "What are you doing right now?" I'm like, "I bought a palm tree, right? I Why bought not? a palm tree, right?" So yeah, that was. Uh, What's wrong with that? Like one of you... my splurges after winning some money. I approve. Uh, <laughs> I want a palm tree now too. <laughs> this sounds like a great idea. So we're gonna play a game here. So oh, you've got 10 I didn't cards. expect that. Okay. Yeah. Don't look at them yet, but it's just never have I ever. We're gonna flip a card over and you just basically answer the question. I'll go first. 
Worked at a kid's birthday party. That one's easy. Yes. As a kid, when I was 15, I was a shuffling. I was, I was DJ. Um, and so I would DJ kids birthday parties. And so I've done many birthday parties in my life. Go ahead. Your turn. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I've done that. Gambled my rent money. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I guess have I done that? Uh, I haven't had the issue. No, I haven't. I don't think I've done that, but I gambled like my savings away. I guess that close. I, I, as I explained, I had savings. Um, and uh, I, my parents locked up my savings account. Okay, so maybe that counts but i was fortunate enough to have the cushion of my parents so maybe i'm a spoiled rich kid <laughs> you haven't had to gamble your uh, rent money away been in a crazy fight over a parking spot uh the answer to that is no i'm the person that like will drive to the back of the mall and not fight over the park you know my wife will like drive all around trying to find that spot that's so close to walking entrance i'm like why do that just park in the back Someone recently told me a little secret about that, by the way. What? So, you know how parking garages uh, have mil- multiple layers? Yeah. So, um, well, what most people do is they try to find a parking spot on, like, the lowest layers, et cetera, even if they're far away from the door. But it makes sense to go to one of the highest um, layers or levels and get close to the door. Uh-huh. Uh, this is not my idea. There's a girl that told me this idea, but it was a good one. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, maybe that that could be a like helpful it. tip. I don't drive, by the way. I, oh, you don't I'm drive? Out of that, forget it. I don't. I don't enjoy the par- fighting for parking spots. I'm out of that. You're done with that, okay? And, uh, traffic, not my thing. Yep. Um, your turn. All right, let's see. Um, okay, chosen to play video games over sex. <laughs> uh, I think I've done this indirectly. <laughs> I mean, I've chosen to play poker over sex for sure. <laughs> Does that count? I think that counts. Would be a poker on a on a uh, on a screen. I remember I had this period where I was making an enormous amount of money very fast, and I would just be multi-tabling this tournament, or this poker on this tablet. I believe when I was about twenty-seven, and I would be playing it like every waking hour because I was making really, I made something like a million dollars in a week. Wow. Um and. It just looked like it was just flowing in my pockets. And I was, I, I wasn't, um, I had a girlfriend at the time and I wasn't a good boyfriend. Uh, like now I, my value shifted. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, I just, uh, was just grinding my life away. Chose, chose poke over sex <laughs> or over video games. <clears throat> Driven off with the gas pump hose still attached to my car. Yes, I have done that. And I did it. We were driving cross country. We were moving from Atlanta to Los Angeles. And this was back in 2015. And, you know, you're driving for so long. You're tired. You put the gas pump in. You're like, you go get his water or some coffee or something like that. You come out and driving down the road. And people are like pointing at me. (laughs) Like, what? And I look in the truck and the gas pump 
<laughs> still attached to the truck. I'm oh like, my oh my God, I hope it's not like flooding at the gas station, you know? But I guess there's like a thing that shuts it off if that, I guess that's a, that's a normal thing. People do it. Okay. I didn't know that was a normal thing, <laughs> but to be fair, I think I would do eventually have done the same thing because those are the kinds of things I would, I mistakes that I make up to do too distracted. Uh-huh. And just forget to do something like that. I have done similar things, very similar things. So that gives that gives me another reason not to get near the cars. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with the, the <laughs> running off with hoses or any such thing. All right, your turn. Uh, broken up with someone via text message. Um, I don't think I have. Ooh, my son had to deal with that recently. <laughs> Does this count? Like in terms of friend zoning someone? Yeah, I'd say so. If yeah. you're just dating someone casually and mm-hmm. also you just uh, you text them something? Yeah, let's say yes. I would say that's kind of, that would be like a nice thing these days uh, in the sense of, I don't think that people text people this uh, a lot of the time. Come on, if you got a relationship with somebody, you don't break up with them via text message. I don't know. That's just kind of, I think that's wrong. Well, yeah, if you have a proper relationship. I'm just saying that most people these days in dating don't say anything. They just, they just don't. They just ghost them, right? Or something yeah. like that. And, yeah, and I can see that. If you if you don't have a relationship, sure. You just, I guess the term is you block them, right? I, I, uh, well, I don't approve of ghosting at all. I would just say that relative to ghosting, breaking up with someone through a text message is, uh, is a step, is an improvement. That's true. It's the irony of the, the message here. Mm-hmm. Um, because most people do not give any kind of feedback or courtesy or anything like that. Mm. They just kind of like disappear and it's like, what just happened? Yeah. Uh, that's the, yeah. Dating 2022. <laughs> Lied about what I did for a living just to get laid. So back when I was, uh, younger, <laughs> I had fake business cards that said I was a, um, I worked in casting for the show Real World. (laughs) It wasn't my idea, it was my friend's idea. And so it made us a lot cooler than we really were because people would love to be on the show Real World at the time and they thought I was in casting. And so, yes, I did lie about what I did for a living at one point. All right, well, that was honest of you. I uh, don't think that I have. I'm trying to think, I haven't, thought too deeply about that no um i'm trying to think have i uh i don't know um go to the next question all right giving a homeless person money because just because they had a dog i haven't done that i don't think but maybe that would work on me i'm not sure yeah it's a step up from doing nothing Sure. So maybe I would reward it. Well, maybe on the way home today, you give somebody $5 because they got a dog. Well, now that you've like given me this idea, I feel like you need a more interesting answer. <laughs> so this will be the solution to that problem. It is. The universe is speaking. Yeah. I guess you could say it is. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Had a crazy run on the craps table. Um, I have had crazy runs on the craps table. Just because I'm the person that just keeps pressing, pressing, pressing. And, you know, and if you just keep rolling for an hour, you're just going to make a lot of money. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because it does. Yeah, it does make sense. Do you play crabs? I 
don't, but I have played it and I have seen this happen and I can see how the game is is created in a way where this does happen. Yeah. And creates a kind of emotional thing like like there's like money flowing in kind of creates that kind of feeling, which is creative. It's I don't just press, right? So like what I'll do is like I'll put money down on the whole table, basically all the numbers, right? And then every time I hit a four, I match that with a 10. So I always basically take the winnings and I say, lift the four and the 10. If I hit a six, I match the six and the eight. If I hit a five, I match the five and the nine. So every time I'm rolling, I'm kind of doubling, you know, two numbers instead of one, not doubling, but you know, I'm increasing. And so if you just keep doing that with the expectation that you don't care if you lose, like you just start off with like 200 bucks and then you just keep going, going, going. Like if you roll for like an hour, like you're going to make a lot of money. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, heard my grandparents say the F word. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I know they said curse words though. Yeah. Had a fake ID taken away by a bouncer. Yes. I've had that. Got in trouble when I was in the Air Force because of that too. Oh yeah. They took it away. Not fun. Got in uh, trouble. I might have had that happen too. Uh-huh. Hooked up with someone to get back at someone else. I have not done that, but I have done the opposite. Uh, meaning I like didn't hook up with someone to, to like not piss off someone. Ah, got it. Yeah. You're uh, a good friend. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Taking Adderall to be the most productive person ever. So my story is I actually took Adderall once in my life because it's my buddy. He's like, so like productive right and i'm like what is your secret man he goes oh i've got adhd and this and that and i'm like so i take these adderalls and he goes and i take the adderalls and next thing you know i'm cleaning my room i'm organizing my desk right it just makes me super efficient and i'm like really and so i'm like let me try one and so i took one and it's the same thing you're just like you end up talking to everybody it makes you the lively person at the party and so yes i've done that before um, lied about my occupation. I actually, uh, I guess I technically have, um, I'm thinking, I, I don't think I've done, a, I don't think maybe people have thought I have, and I haven't done it deliberately, but I've definitely said things like, I'm sure I would have said something like, uh, like a professional cuddler, like <laughs> some answer like that. So I suppose I qualify. Shown up at the wrong airport or flight. I have done that before um, with the family, like with my wife and t- two kids at the time. It was New York. And so for whatever reason, I thought we were going to JFK, but we we're supposed to be in LaGuardia, right? And so that's pretty easy to do. And so luckily we got there early and we were able to make it on time. But again, I got yelled at by my wife. Same, same, same la- energy level as when I bought the palm tree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think uh, your wife needs to be convinced about this palm tree. This <laughs> palm tree. There aren't there aren't too many guys out there with the palm tree. That's true. I'm a little jealous. Yeah. See. Uh, said I'm never drinking again. I have not said that, but I have said I'm never going to a club again, and then promptly gone to a club four days in a row after that. <laughs> and I'm not a club person. Also, I was never a club person. Appeared as an extra in a movie or a TV show? Yes. 
I was the DJ in the movie 21, which I'm sure you've probably seen that movie. All right. Right, where the MIT students kind of go to Vegas and they they take them for a lot of money. But they but I got cut out. So like I spent eight hours as an extra as a DJ and I bring all my friends to go to the movies to see me in the movie and they can't even see me. So, yeah. You're doing some acting, right? Aren't you trying to get into acting? Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think that's going to take a minute. Okay. Written boobs on a calculator. I have not done that. Uh, I'm aware of, maybe (laughs) I have done it and blocked out of my memory, but I, uh, I thought everybody did that. (laughs) That's great. Opened a beer with my teeth. No, I've never done that. Although I've got friends that do it all the time. Said those three little words first. You know, um, technically I have, but um, I presume you're speaking of "I love you," or I'm thinking, or "I love you." Yes. Okay, uh-huh. I had to get that right. Yeah. So I uh, was dating this girl that seemed to have a complicated past, and she said things like that I mistook for those three little words. I would not have said them otherwise but she basically told my friend that she loved me but it was drunk or something and then she was kind of drunk and then said i think i love you and then i said i love you and she was like yeah i was drunk and then she said it again at a different time uh it was very chaotic and i was like kind of yeah it was a really annoying situation because it's normally from my understanding it's it's kind of dangerous to say these words when dating yeah um particularly for a guy but uh could be mistaken somehow anyway yeah that's my rant about that all right no thank you for playing along learned a little bit about each other there so we're gonna we're gonna end with something called hennessy heart to heart it's where i ask you a question and the first thing that comes to mind you just say it simple Mm -hmm. so the first question is what did you want to be when you were younger i wanted to be a lot of things Okay. Uh, I actually wanted to be a professor at some point, but I no longer want to be a professor, I think. So you want to be a professor. Okay. When I was younger, okay. I wanted to be a professor at some point in time. Got it. What was your favorite subject in school? Uh, just having funny ideas. Uh, I don't know. I had a class called... a. Uh, gifted uh, gifted students with learning needs and we did nothing and I just sat there and did homework <laughs> that I had to do. I like that class. It was, uh, it was a good class uh, to do nothing in. Um, <laughs> was there a chess class? I don't know. That was kind of fun. I liked it when I was in middle school. Uh, I, I don't know. Wasn't math, didn't you have like a perfect SAT score in math? I did, yeah. I'm surprised you knew that. That's pretty impressive. That I did have a perfect one, but after a few not so perfect ones. Oh, okay. Got I, it. I got the perfect one eventually. Huh. It's pretty impressive. Let's see here. What is your idea of a perfect vacation? Uh uh. Define vacation. I'm I'm kidding. Um <laughs> I th- think. I want to go to some of these extravagant islands, such as perhaps New Zealand or perhaps, uh, um, what else? Uh, yeah, what else? Like uh, Iceland or 
something like that and just have something like that planned, maybe a massage at some point, mm -hmm. maybe an evening with, uh, you know, someone that, uh, you know, that there's some kind of honeymoon love going on or that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, something, yeah, uh, some, some beautiful views, pretty evening, um, sunsets, long walks on the beach, really tasty food, <laughs> all those things. Got it. What's something that people always misunderstand about you? Um, oh, well, people accuse me of being mad a lot because uh, I can look serious sometimes, but I'm not mad. It's very annoying. I would rather not think that I'm mad specifically. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that happens quite a lot. Or they can think that because I'm quiet, I'm shy. It doesn't work that way. Those are two different things. Sure. What habit do you have that you think not too many other people have? I have the habit of not forming biases and having a more fluid look of like what uh, I don't like attach myself to judgments very easily. In, uh and most people, I think, make judgments very fast and do not alter them very easily based on additional information or do not consider alternative perspectives or alternative, just basically make judgments too fast. I don't make, do that. I make more like fluid judgments or like uh, ascribe like percentages to something in my mind, but more intuitively. Got it. What was the best phase of your life? It was actually probably... You know what's funny about that is that that depends really on what is is uh, relative. Okay, so I can give the cheesy answer. The cheesy answer is now, mm -hmm. um, and like ideally that's true, but uh, for us less than enlightened folk, it would be uh, two other potential options would be one the. Um, the objectively best moment in terms of, well, this is kind of stupid anyway, but where things were basically just going, appear to be going on paper, everything uh, as well as possible. But I would say that what uh, would have been the case is when my view of the world was limited, uh, you, ideally around when I was 17 or 18 or so, and I my poker uh, had begun to pick up and it was an ex exciting period. It was No, it was when I was uh, 20. And I had started to basically, um, my poker world had started started to ascend. And I was essentially, uh, I was moving up very fast relative to other periods of my life. Uh, so that would actually be the real emotional best time or whatever point uh, where the, the most acceleration in terms of like succeeding or experiencing, experiencing the positive sides of things would be the case. But I found that Usually, people don't look at things too narrowly. Got it. <clears throat> and the flip side of that, what was the worst phase of your life? Uh, um, there were moments in dealing with this girl uh, that had these issues that, or seemed to have issues, or I don't know what's wrong with her, that were very, very frustrating. Um. And when other things were going wrong, and I like I've been scammed, and I was failing at a lot of my goals, or it seemed like many of them were broken, um, or had been broken, 
that was quite frustrating probably in 2020 a while um mm -hmm. i'm thinking <clears throat> i'm thinking uh yeah maybe 2020 if not that it would be something like 2015 when i had made this bad house investment and i had been doing everything that i could to get out of it and basically everything just kept failing um and on top of that, uh, yeah, it just looked like I, there was a good solid chance that I would like lose 90% of my wealth or so, uh, yep. which would have been really disastrous. That would have been 2015 after buying this house, after getting all my money back from full tilt, $4 million, and then like blowing it all on potentially. That would have mm. been really, really frustrating. Similar to me. So 2008, I had like 12 houses. I was making investments. I was reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Really? And then the market just collapsed. And yeah, I was left with all these houses and on the verge of filing bankruptcy. And yeah, that wasn't a fun period of my life. But Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. But, but I survived uh, it. But if you have all the houses, can't, I mean, don't, don't you still have the liquid of like, don't you still have assets of the houses? No, because uh, the houses were depreciating in value. And I had negative amortization loans on them. Oh. So oh, wow. I was okay. getting bad advice at the time. Well, I had a very similar experience, I guess you could say. Uh, I don't know what an amortization loan is, but I presume it uh, is. You're paying basically less than, than an interest, right? You're just because the houses were appreciating so much. Like they were going up by $30,000 like every month at the time. And so they had all these loans for investors where you can basically. And you can just do what you want. You can borrow, like you stated income loans. You tell them what you make, right? Yeah, whole different world now. They don't do that anymore. But yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I had something kind of similar happen. I mean, I took out a hard money loan uh, and tried to build on top of a house, uh, this one house, and it was this massive project. Um, and uh, the hard money loan was incredibly stupid. And then I had to refinance, but then I couldn't rent it out. And then I tried to rent it out, and that didn't work. And then I tried to get rid of it, and then. The house depreciated by five hundred thousand dollars, and uh, basically, it just got fucked in all every sorts of ways. And the people people who were supposed to be my partners uh, betrayed me essentially, oh my, or didn't help me really. And one guy basically betrayed me in in one court case. Uh, but yeah, hmm. lessons, lessons in life. Do you consider yourself a optimist or a pessimist? I would say optimist uh, for multiple reasons. I would say ra rational and optimism, the intersection of those two things, because um, it's rational to be optimistic for one thing. Mm. Why would you choose pessimism unless it is useful? That's where uh, optimism no longer is uh, beneficial, but then it would still be for the sake of something optimistic. Mm. I love that answer. Have you ever lost someone close to you? Uh, I have, yes. You have. I lost, actually, uh, I would say he was in reality my best friend at the time. Uh, 2014, I think. Yeah, kind of mysteriously. Sorry to hear that. What do you see as your best character trait? Um... It might be that I uh, I have thought that it is that I can perceive what the truth is. 
uh, that's what I've decided on as of lately mm. because uh, the answer is a bit longer, but to discern between what is truth and falsehood is very, very useful. Got it. What inspires you to be a better version of yourself? I have an answer, but I'm not sure about it. My best guess for that is for the sake of the experience. And, um, well, I just, the short answer is, and I think this is true, is that it will lead to more positive experiences in the future. So why not? Got it. That answer seems to work. Okay. Is failing more important than succeeding? Uh, I would say they're equal, right? Depends on how you look at it. I would say succeeding is more important, but that they're close to equal is what I would say. Mm. Okay. That's my guess. But what? It, yeah, as you said, it depends on how you look at it. What is success exactly? Mm-hmm. Maybe even in that, you can you can look at it non-linearly and say you can find some ways of succeeding and failure in even in that moment. Not even necessarily turning it into like a success on paper. It's all a matter of perspective, right? Last question. So, where were you on the on the day that Black Friday occurred? Uh, I was in Austin and a friend of mine woke me up and said a bunch of crazy shit has happened. And um, then I went to Vegas and played live poker. Did you have money tied up in, in on the sites that you didn't know if you'd ever get back or what? I had money on three sites, all of which were locked up. And I had the biggest accounts. Uh, I think I had the unofficially biggest accounts on the site. If not, I, I think it's really hard for someone to have bigger and yeah, I understood it was one of the biggest, if not the biggest amounts uh, possible on site. So yeah, I did. Wow. So at the time I was doing digital marketing, I was doing work for Absolute Poker and Ultimate Bet. Mm-hmm. And um, like I was getting them traffic and doing some things from, from an SEO search engine optimization perspective. And uh, all of a sudden I just woke up one morning and there's like, bunch of text messages go to the internet now i'm like what and like every single poker site was seized by the fbi yeah it was a crazy day yeah yeah not not a fun day um so uh so i i had one more question before we wrap up you know earlier in the show you said you were trying to change schooling or you were making an attempt to change it Tell me a little bit more about that. I would say I'm in the beginning stages of that. Uh, but basically, um, I believe that, uh, that, peop- that education be- should be something that's more functional and also um, should be enjoyable for multiple reasons rather than forced. Uh, and the way that I was hoping to change that is essentially combining education and entertainment ideally that sounds like uh you know a great nice dream um and i would say i'm very very far away from really doing that but uh that is the direction that i want to go in um and the idea of education that i want to uh emphasize is that 
again, changing the perspective of it rather than learning a bunch of facts on paper that no one necessarily cares about. I mean, there's, that can be good too sometimes, maybe if that's someone's thing. Mm-hmm. But looking at education more in terms of uh, what I want to do is educate more in terms of values um, and I want to educate something else. Yeah, in term, the values, uh, or rather I would say virtues, uh, different kinds of values. Um, and I would like to educate a general principle of uh, doing good, uh, which by definition means educating that being beneficial for the rest of society. By definition, this if the entire world does this, it seems to imply that uh, it will lead to a much better situation for everyone. Hmm. Um, and I believe that that will lead to the solution to a lot of different problems. Um, and I think that educating these things can be, I think the idea of entertainment is actually more or less in line with that. Many forms of entertainment uh, do, in fact, follow this format. Uh, storytelling, for example, is a greater than zero-sum game. Uh, improv, for example, is greater than zero-sum game. The, the principle is literally yes and. Mm-hmm. What can we do together? Mm. Um, and that is a big part of what I want to educate ultimately. Um, in addition, you know, self-reliance, uh, all that good stuff, being healthy, those things are cool too. Uh, I just think that, uh, if only those are focused on and not the idea of contributing to the society on the whole, it will result in, uh, it will result in both good and bad happening. Like you can create or you can educate people to become like super villains if they get like all the neutral stuff right and then decide, you know what, let's, uh, let's just uh, take everything from someone else. Hmm. Um, if they're good enough at those sorts of virtues Got it. and not good enough at, or they don't see the value of contributing to the, uh, you could say greater good, greatest good. However, spirituality likes to say it. The flow of life seems to be into that stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best in accomplishing that. I know uh, for those that want to keep it up with you, I believe you have a podcast called Winning the Game of Life. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Probably find it on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, iTunes, all the same places that you can find this show. Mm-hmm. And then for those that also want to keep up with you on social media, what's your uh, your uh, profile? Uh, the Dan Cates. The Dan Cates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Instagram. Well, Dan, Jungle Man Dan Cates, I guess. Thank you so much for coming down, being on the show. Appreciate it. And I'm excited for my listeners to hear this. Thank you for having me, Jason. This has been the Jason Hennessy Podcast. This show is produced by Whitney Welsh and Jenna Kershaw, engineered and edited by Josh Fisher and recorded at Hennessy Studios. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.